Hello, and welcome to the Anxiety Rx podcast, a show created by an anxiety specialist and neuroscientist, me, that offers unique, practical, and actionable advice to help you understand what anxiety truly is and exactly what you can do to empower yourself to resolve it. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Kennedy, an MD who suffered with crippling anxiety for 30-plus years, and traditional therapy from psychiatrists and psychologists really didn't help me feel better. And I also didn't like being on psych meds. In 2013, after burning out and leaving medical practice, I came to the conclusion that if I was ever going to heal my anxiety, I would have to do it myself. And that's exactly what I did, drawing from experiences with psychedelics and holistic healing and combining those modalities with my scientific academic background in medicine, neuroscience, and developmental psychology. Here on the Anxiety Arcs podcast, I offer a distinctly non-traditional and non-medical approach to understanding and healing anxiety. So despite the fact I'm trained as a physician, in no way is what I say and suggest to be construed as medical advice because none of the ways I use to resolve anxiety has anything to do with traditional allopathic medicine. From my own healing, I've created a distinctly non-traditional understanding and approach that helps thousands of people from all over the world understand and relieve their chronic anxiety. So if you're ready, let's get into today's episode. Here we are at the Anxiety Rx podcast. Today, I want to talk about faith, and I also want to give you a little tip that I use, little procedure that I use when it comes to faith that really help me move past anxiety and alarm. Because really, there's, there's only growth and protection. I talk about this in my book, and I just read the chapter on faith just to get get prepared for this particular episode. But there's really growth and protection. And I think when we grow up with trauma as children, we learn that life is about protection. And I think if you grow up with a loving, caring, attuned household, you learn that life is about growth. And faith is one of those things that allows you to access growth. The problem with that is that when we have trauma as children, we lose faith in the world. If our parents aren't there to protect us, or worse, our parents are the cause of the problem, we lose faith in the world. And one of the byproducts of losing faith in the world is then you start believing that everything is up to you as a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old. We develop this mindset that everything is up to us because we've lost faith in the inherent safety of the world. Even Einstein said, the question that we have to answer for ourselves the most is, is the world a safe place or not? And I think when we have trauma as children, especially if we're sensitive people, everybody I know with anxiety is a sensitive person. When you're a sensitive person, you are just more susceptible to trauma. You take it in, you, you feel it more, and you react to it more. Perhaps that's maybe a better way of putting it. We react to trauma. We react to conflict more than, say, a non-sensitive person, whatever a non-sensitive person is. So we lose faith in the world as children when we have trauma. I lost faith in the world when my father would go crazy because I didn't see anyone else's fathers going crazy. And I thought, why is this happening to me? That's the other thing that we, we get as children is we start saying, why is this happening to me? Maybe not as young children, 
But as we get older, as we get into our teenage years, why don't I have friends? Why am I being bullied? Why is this not going very well? Why am I sad? Why am I anxious? Why am I struggling with eating? Why am I struggling with sleeping? Am I a good person? Am I a good friend? Do I deserve to have a friend? All these things get put into us when we go into protection. And we go into protection because we believe everything is up to us because we lost faith in the world. We lose faith that the world is a safe place. And then we come from this reactive place rather than our authentic selves. Because our authentic selves, we learn to judge, abandon, blame, and shame, which I talked about in a few episodes back. Jabs. Judgment, abandonment, blame, and shame. And one of the things that faith does is it faith takes away those judgments. When you have faith in yourself, you don't judge yourself. When you have faith in yourself, you don't abandon yourself because the faith creates this internal connection with yourself. When you have faith in yourself, you don't blame yourself because you realize the inherent insecurity and uncertainty in the world. When you have faith, you don't shame yourself because you know deep down that you have this faith in this person, this innocent soul. We are all innocent souls at our core. Even the people that we, we think are the worst people in the world at their core are all innocent souls. The reason why they are the way they are is probably because of trauma. And we become a reactive self rather than our authentic self. I was ta- I was writing about this earlier, about how we people please, how we look towards our parents as they need protection. So as, as children, we start looking after their, our parents. That's just what we do. And it becomes such a habit that we lose ourselves. And Gabor Mate writes about that too, about sometimes we have to give up our authentic selves to gain attachment to a parent, even if that parent is judging, abandoning, blaming, and shaming us for some reason. Even if that parent is a negative energy, we will still take the attachment to a troubled parent than just trying to be our authentic selves and feeling pain. That need for attachment is so powerful in human beings. But the ironic thing is we lose the attachment to ourselves. When we feel like everything's up to us, when we have trauma, we lose faith in the world and everything is up to us, we become these alpha children. We don't like being told what to do. Classic example, I am an alpha child. I like being in the lead. I do not like being told what to do. I I wouldn't say I was a control freak, at least overtly, but I know in my past I have tried to control so many things. And basically that's what worry is. Worry is a way of trying to make the uncertain a little more certain. But the problem with that is that we pay a huge price when we worry. If you worry that, you know, pain in your stomach is stomach cancer, yeah, you get a little dopamine shot in your brain because you think, okay, I'm on, this makes sense. Because when you make sense of something, you get a little dopamine hit, which is what worry is. Worry says, oh, this makes sense. My my daughter isn't home. Maybe she's been in a car accident. Now that makes sense. So your brain gives you a little shot of dopamine, but now you convince yourself that your daughter's in a car accident. So worry is a way that makes the uncertain appear certain. 
And because uncertainty was so abhorrent to us as children, we will do anything to avoid it, including worry. So we get hooked into worry. And when you worry, you lose faith. Faith is an antidote to worry, just allowing things to be what they're going to be. And this, this is a process that I wanted to talk to you about today, about this concept of objecting without contracting that I got from Kathy Kane, who's a PhD and wrote a book called Nurturing Resilience, which is a brilliant book. Kathy Kane, K-A-T-H-Y-K-A-I-N. Originally, she called this objecting without contracting, and I've been using this for years. And then now she's changed it to let it be so, but I still like objecting without contracting. So I modified it a bit. Uh, But what it is, is there's something that's in your universe that you don't like. And instead of contracting around it, because we resist things that we don't like. All organisms resist pain. We move away from pain. But can you not contract around something that scares you? Can you not contract around your worry? Because I believe that contraction, that initial contraction, and you can try this yourself. You, know, you, can, you can sit here right now. We can, while you're listening, if you're not driving, think of something that causes you pain or that you're afraid of. And then feel, for me, it's in my gut. You know, every, I've told you guys that <laughs> it's in my solar plexus. But there's this feeling in my abdomen, this my gut, of something just initially just squeezing, just like, I don't like this, like contracting. Now, if I just consciously allow myself to keep that worry suspended in consciousness, but not allow myself to contract, this is what they mean, objecting without contracting, because I feel, and this works for me specifically, so I'm hoping it will work for you too. The first stage in the alarm anxiety cycle, in my opinion, is this contraction phase. And when we contract, we squeeze down the energy and that energy has to go somewhere. And the mind, which is a compulsive meaning-making, make-sense machine, has to do something with that constricted energy. It's like squeezing dough out of, a, out of your, in your hands. And when you expand it, that energy has to go somewhere. So typically what your brain does is it makes a worry out of it. So it that and that worry accentuates the alarm that's already in your body, that background alarm from the old traumas and worries and fears and pain that you went through as a child. So when you go through this, when you go through this contraction, that is the first stage of the alarm anxiety cycle. So by definition, if you don't contract, you don't fall into that cycle. Now this takes some practice. But I've noticed for myself, it really, really works in that I can suspend that feeling, that worry, and I can notice my body starting to contract and just not allowing it. And I'm not saying become open. I'm not saying accept it. I'm not saying embrace it, although I say that in other, in other uh, videos and other parts of my book. I'm just saying for this particular thing is just to let it sit there. And again, it's not sitting with it either. It's sitting with it with the conscious intention that you're not going to squeeze. You're not going to resist. You're not going to come down against it. You're just going to let it sit there and without contracting around it. And you'll notice when you start contracting around stuff. 
And once you start realizing, oh, this is the first stage of my worry cycle. This is the first stage. If you can stop that first stage, you can stop the whole cascade. And then you feel like you've got some control over this situation of worry, which before you didn't really feel like you had much control over. So this is how it goes. You're walking down the street, you're driving your car, or you're going to lunch somewhere with someone and this worry that's been troubling you, maybe for weeks, maybe for months, pops into your head. Notice the initial urge to contract around it. For me, I notice it in my abdomen. I think a lot of people notice it there. Or my chest. And just see if you can just stay with it. Just see if you can just suspend it there without taking that unconscious first step of contracting. Because that unconscious first step is so automatic. It's so, it happens so quickly and so fast and so outside of your awareness that you're in the alarm anxiety cycle before you even recognize it. So this is what I do. It's just, I just have faith that I'll just hold on to this worry. I'll just suspend it there. I'll just let it sit there. And again, this is a practice. This, is, this will work right away, actually. But the more you practice it, the more you just release the uncertainty. Because worry is always about the future. It's always about some sort of uncertain thing happening in the future. So if you can stop that initial contraction around it, it stops the cycle. It stops that alarm anxiety cycle. And then you feel like you have some element of control over the situation. And then if you add faith to that, you have faith to the fact that I can just let this sit here and I can practice this practice of allowing the worry to sit there without needing to come to resolution. Because once, once you go into your head and start worrying, you've lost. It, the cascade just starts. And what I really want you to be aware of is this objecting without contracting. I don't like this worry. I don't like what it's going to say or what it's going to predict. But I can stay with it without resisting it, without squeezing it, without contracting around it. And this really is a lot about faith. Just having faith that things will turn out. You don't have to be the arbiter of everything. Everything is not up to you. And again, when I started this podcast today, when we get traumatized as children, we lose faith in the world. And when we lose faith in the world, the natural byproduct of that is that everything is up to us. Everything is up to me. And then we become overachievers. Then we become control freaks. And it does give us the illusion that we are controlling the situation. But in that control, we lose the ability to just have faith, to just let it go to just be with whatever it is. And then we compulsively have to worry. Then we don't, we teach, we, we operantly condition ourselves that we cannot just sit with a worry. We have to think it all the way through, which is a huge seduction because the more you think, the more you worry. And the more you worry, the more you think. You can't solve a problem with excessive rumination, hypervigilance, and worry with more rumination, hypervigilance, and worry. It just doesn't work. So the antidote to that, how you can stay in growth and move out of protection is just have faith in the moment that you're in, that you don't have to contract around it. And then there's another moment on top of that. And then there's another moment on top of that. And then you start realizing, hey, you know what? This actually works. I don't actually have to worry. That's the child in us. The child in us 
only survive because they worry, only survive because they dissociated or distracted into worry. That's how we survived. And that's why worry becomes such a powerful, seductive force in our lives. Because as children, that worry gave us the illusion of certainty. And on some level, that was soothing for us because as children, we had no other way out. If you had an abusive or a neglectful parent or you were being bullied at school, there was no way out of that. So the only place we could go was dissociate into our minds or dissociate into worry. And it did distract us from the, from the pain initially. And that's how it becomes so insidious. So the anxiety, the worries, just inflame the alarm from the old trauma that's still held there. And the alarm fires up the worries. So this is the alarm anxiety cycle. And I found in my own sort of philosophical sense or my own meditation that the first stage in the alarm anxiety cycle is this sense of contraction, is objecting, is, is resisting around this, around this worry. Because when you, when you object to something, when you contract around something, you hold it tighter. You don't let it pass through. So the idea is not to become open and wide and, you know, I love the universe and everything that happens is fine. Although there is an element of that. But it's really important to just allow yourself not to contract. It's not about expanding or being open or accepting or embracing, although that can help too. But in this particular episode, I want to talk about ejecting without contracting. So you have the worry and you let it sit there and you just don't contract around it. And you just see, and you wait a second, and two seconds, and five seconds, and 10 seconds, if you can. Again, it's a practice. It takes a while to learn how to do this. But this has provided me, this not contracting around my worry has provided me with so much relief. Because I start feeling like, oh, I can really, I can see the world as a safe place. And ironically, we don't see the world as a safe place because we keep convincing ourselves with our worries that the world is not a safe place because we're always worrying. So it's how you break the cycle. And in my book, Anxiety Rx, I talk about that. In my program, MBRX, I talk about that too. But this particular episode is just about having faith. Having faith in being able to receive from other people having faith that when you receive from yourself, when you connect with yourself, you don't need it so much from other people. When you were a child and you needed that support from your parent or parents and it wasn't there, that's a pretty hollow place to be as a child. But you're not a child anymore and you can start giving this to yourself. You can start rewarding yourself with a sense of faith and with, this, with a knowing that everything isn't up to you. You can accept help from other people. Now you have to trust the people that you're getting help from. Don't try and get help from someone who's unreliable. But it's learning that the world is a safe place. You've made it this far. You've made it through a bunch of trauma. If you're listening to my podcast, you probably had trauma. You've made it through. So can you trust that? Can you have faith in the world? Can you have faith in your connection with yourself? Can you build this sense that you don't have to worry? Because when you force yourself into worry, either consciously or automatically unconsciously, you convince yourself that the world is a safe place, an unsafe place. And that just erodes your faith. 
And when you erode your faith, you move to worry. And faith is the antidote to worry. Just staying with something, teaching yourself to have faith is probably the most important lesson. It's the biggest chapter in my book. It's chapter 107. It's like 11 pages long. But it's probably the most effective, at least initial strategy to relieve your worry and relieve your pain. And just realize that everything isn't up to you. The universe can protect you, but you have to see it as a safe place. Whatever you see, whatever you perceive, your confirmation will give you more of that. If you see that you can have faith and you can allow worries just to suspend there, you'll be able to do that more and more. But if you worry, and that leads to more worry and more hypervigilance and more worry, you won't be able to see the world as a safe place. You won't be able to develop any faith because you're constantly showing yourself that the world is in a safe place and the world is in a place that you can have faith in. So it really takes a leap of faith to show yourself, look at what's safe. Look at what I've made, through, what I've made it through. Look at where I am now, even if it's not a great place right now. But at least you're teaching yourself that there is a way out. You're not in this constant alarm anxiety cycle. You can see your urge to contract around it. And in that first step of trying not to contract, you start winning. You start seeing that there's faith. You start seeing that there's a place that you can sit that doesn't hurt. And then you expand on that. And that's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. See you next time. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And if the Anxiety Rx podcast resonates with you, consider getting my book, also coincidentally called Anxiety Rx. Or you can follow me on any of the social media platforms at The Anxiety MD or my website, www.theanxietymd.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you the next time on The Anxiety Rx podcast.